when you start analyzing and you look at the individual mutual funds, what you find is they're all, all buying the same thing. <laughs> so instead of being really diversified, thinking you are, you are kind of just being a little bit redundant, if you will. Puzzles go by a lot of names. Jigsaws, crosswords, sudokus, brain teasers, brain bashers, brain knitters, knotters, and bocklers. You get the idea. On this show, we deal with financial puzzles. Your host is Money and Clarity Certified Financial Planner, Nikki Early. It's time for the show. Let's put the pieces together. Are you ready to solve the financial puzzle once again? It's time to do it. Walter Storholt here alongside Nikki Early, certified financial planner and a partner with Money and Clarity, serving Cincinnati and the surrounding areas. Find us online at moneyandclarity.com. Nikki, great to be with you once again. How are you? I am wonderful. <laughs> no masks in Ohio. I don't know where you're at in the Carolinas, but no masks here. We have uh, definitely been getting used to no masks once again, and uh, it has definitely been good for the mental health, I will say, to start walking into stores again without masks and going to the gym again and not having to wear masks in the gym even. My wife held on to hers for a little bit longer, but earlier this week, actually, she finally gave up and said, it felt really good to work out without a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I never did go there. I just worked out at home. So, yes, yes. But not not in a gym with a mask on. <laughs> ours ours was having, so we do like classes where it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of treadmill, a little bit of rower, a little bit of floor, and you kind of rotate around. And ours was, um, they would have some classes that were mask optional and some that were mask required. I started with the mask optional and then uh, made it about three minutes in with wearing one. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> Took it right <laughs> off. And then uh, I accidentally signed up for one that was mask required. And I, and I didn't realize it until I got there. And I was like, oh, shoot. And so I had to do the whole workout with the mask on. I was dying by the end of it. I was like, I don't know if it was all mental or if there was definitely some still some physical elements with wearing it. But yeah, I was like, OK, not making that mistake again because <laughs> yeah. it was brutal. So are you familiar, like Kroger is our big grocery store here in the Cincinnati area, but like the, my favorite thing is walking into the grocery store without a mask on right Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, one reason, you know, I love, uh, so you've hit on a, a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I love going to the grocery store. <laughs> like it's my, <laughs> it's my place. Um, I'll spend an hour in the grocery store. I walk up and down the aisle slowly, look at stuff, think about life. It's just my thing. I think it's, I grew up doing that with my dad. He was the same way and we would go to the grocery store and we would just have fun at the grocery store. So I think there's this like positive connection with it for me. Like we would sneak around corners and watch people getting extra samples at the sample counters and things <laughs> like that. And we'd laugh about them. So I think I just, it's a, just a good place for me. And so uh, I just enjoy getting a cup of coffee and spending my time there. But yeah, this past year has been like, I'm not going to walk around drinking a cup of coffee with the mask on. That's just annoying. No. <laughs> and then you just want to kind of get in and out. So yes, it was a return recently to being able to just peruse through the aisles once again and not worrying if I was going the wrong direction down the aisle, right? Oh, yeah. I always got in trouble for ignoring that. But <laughs> yes, I never got used to that one. I never I never remembered to look for the arrows and all that kind of stuff. So in any event, yes, it feels good to breathe again out and about and good to see the numbers continue to go in a, a good direction for everybody. And feel a little bit normal again. That's been very yep. nice. Well, we've got uh, a great show on the way today. Nikki's going to help us talk a little bit about 
common sense and uncommon sense in the financial world, um, I think an, an important topic to discuss. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we have this common sense advice in the financial world, and you would think that everybody would be following this advice. In fact, that's why it's called common sense. But in practice, Nikki, there's an issue and a problem. Nobody's following this common sense advice. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, in fact, much more uncommon uh, than you would be led to believe otherwise. So we're going to talk a little bit about why that's the case, and maybe we can have some solutions to how we can uh, maybe learn through this uncommon sense and uh, put into better practice some habits and that kind of thing. Uh, so let's talk about an easy one here, Nikki. Buying low and selling high. Don't think you're going to find anybody who disagrees with that theory of investing, but many people behave differently in practice, don't they? They do, and I'm sure it has to do with, you know, just emotion, probably uncertainty, unfortunately, maybe a little bit of greed. So emotionally, and, and I'm sure you would agree, it's hard to sell things when they're making you money <laughs> and probably buy things that aren't. But we, we've learned through the years that we can't and shouldn't chase returns. That rarely never fares well. So for instance, um, just thinking about the last year, large U.S. had a really good year. And it's not surprise on the other end with the pandemic, you know, we did buy a lot of toilet paper and we did a lot of remodeling and we ordered a lot of stuff online. So companies like Procter and Gamble and Home Depot and Amazon, they did really well. So our tendency then would be for uh, clients to want to shift more of their portfolio to large US and chase returns. But the truth be told, as far as large U.S. goes, out of the last 30 years, um, they have actually only been the top performing asset class for four times. So when we're working with clients, we have to develop a strategy that's more long term and we can't chase returns. We have to take into consideration what they're trying to accomplish and develop a portfolio around that. So a typical portfolio is going to have over like 20 different asset classes in it um, from maybe 80 different countries. And we're not going to deviate um, from our strategy based on one year's worth of returns. We do rebalance our portfolios quarterly, which again means selling winners and buying losers. So that's, you know, that's the, the strategy around that. Yeah. Emotions, I mean, they pop up so often in the different things that we talk about when it comes to finances and retirement. And unfortunately, our emotions are often leading us astray. And uh, we see that happen in that buy low, sell high concept. Just those emotions lead us to do the opposite of that idea. Not Absolutely. a good thing. Uh, this is something right up your alley, your specialty, Nikki, this next <laughs> one. Common sense that's kind of uncommon these days. The idea that, you know, you don't want to pay more in taxes than you have to. And I don't think anybody voluntarily signs up to pay extra taxes, maybe unless they feel that the uh, federal government is a beacon of efficiency and virtue. But uh, again, I think that party is uh, a pretty small number. Uh, but how many people, when you actually look at their plans, Nikki, before they meet with you guys, are actually paying more in taxes than they have to or are about to pay more in taxes than they have to? Very many, Walter. <laughs> so it's really true that most people don't think about their taxes until it's time to file. But by then, it's too late. Like Tax planning has to start at the beginning of the year, not a month after the end of the year. You really can't affect things at that point. 
So there are very many ways to be strategic about where and when you're pulling money from certain sources, especially in retirement. Traditional thinking is going to tell you that you need to pull income from taxable accounts, so like non-tax deferred accounts first, to avoid paying taxes till later. Um, but, you know, the tax laws changed in 2018. And if you recall, we are now, most of us, um, utilizing the standard deduction because it went up so much and we lost our personal exemptions. So, what you want to do is not leave that standard deduction on the table. So a couple, for instance, age 65, has a standard deduction of $27,400 currently and will again in, in 2001. So really the worst thing you could do is leave that tax on the table, meaning you should be sure to have at least use that income to offset it. So pulling from your tax-deferred accounts before you're forced to at age 72 and getting taxed may actually be advantageous. And what you have to also keep in mind is that all of this also affects whether or not your Social Security benefits are taxed. Mm. I just I know we could spend an entire episode on taxes and we have covered tax topics many times here on the show. So I invite folks to go back and listen to previous episodes on that topic. But we have to lump it into this conversation of learning through uncommon sense. Um, it's common sense to not pay more in taxes, but you look at your plan and hey, you're not following that practice in many cases. So uh, some simple tweaks and some good planning can take care of that problem and that issue. It doesn't end there, though, in terms of taxes. We can move on to another uh, element of financial planning here about costs, Nikki. And I think this is one that maybe gets overlooked by folks. There's no secret that lowering costs within your investments is going to help your money grow faster and just in general feels like a good thing. Uh, but people still end up in instruments that have very high fees. Why is that the case? Well, I think that most people have no clue what they're paying for their investments. So it probably starts with that. Now, just because there isn't a line item on your 401k or 403b statement doesn't mean you aren't paying fees, um, which of course is affecting your returns. But I promise you that the people that are administering those plans are getting paid. We just don't necessarily see the fee. So that's one thing. Um, also, there are internal fees involved with your mutual funds that you may not be aware of, but you can actually look those up very easily. So typically when you're looking at mutual funds, the ones that are being actively traded more are going to have higher internal expenses. So you should know um, what those expenses are. You can go to Morningstar and look that up very easily. Um, the other thing is that you should certainly be aware of fees that you're paying an advisor and how they get paid. I could be wrong, but I would venture to say if they're getting paid commissions on trades, that they are more likely to recommend that you make changes and do trades. And that's just a hunch, Walter. <laughs> I think there's another element to the cost conversation as well, isn't there, Nikki, about it doesn't necessarily need to be keep costs low, but even just making sure that you're getting good value for the costs that you're paying, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's how our practice makes money is we're bringing value to the table as far as the planning piece. But certainly those internal costs like that I talked about, we definitely need to be aware of. 
That's the nuance. Cost can come in many ways, shapes, and forms inside your portfolio. So identifying those different ones uh, will be common sense and be something you definitely want to follow. All right, it's common sense. We've heard it for our entire lives. Nikki, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But most people put all their eggs in one basket, or at least do in kind of a way. Um, I think diversification is something people agree on as being good. But still, when you look at a retirement plan, how often are you finding plans that aren't actually diversified that much? Well, it is interesting because when we first start working with new clients, you know, they bring in all their different investment statements and they likely have a lot of different mutual funds, a lot of different stocks. However, when you start analyzing and you look at the individual mutual funds, what you find is they're all all buying the same thing. So instead of being really diversified, thinking you are, you are kind of just being a little bit redundant, if you will. So people also, what I find is they do, they they end up being heavy in those large U.S. stocks like we talked about. They like to buy things they know. So they like to buy Amazon and Facebook and P&G. So I do end up seeing a large percentage of portfolios that are heavily weighted in U.S. And again, like I said before, U.S. doesn't typically win as far as asset classes go. So a truly diversified portfolio, and I said it before, will have 20 plus asset classes, maybe presence in 80 different countries, and over 2,000 unique holdings. You should never, ever, ever put your money in one specific asset class or one specific company. All you got to do is probably, what comes to mind is ask a former Enron employee about that. Yeah, it's just, uh, but that's another one that's got some nuance to it, right? It can be an individual company you're putting all your eggs in one basket, but it could also be an asset class like you kind of talked about. And mm-hmm. there's different ways and shapes that that mentality of the eggs in one basket can kind of play out. And we yep. need to be aware of those for sure. Uh, one last one for you, Nikki, We're talking about common sense when it comes to investing and financial planning here. Let's talk about market timing. It's uh, virtually impossible. All the studies show it. Our, even I think our, our our brains tell us, hey, this probably isn't, uh, isn't the best way to go. Everyone nodding along as we say that. But then when you look at behavior, sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't line up, does it? Yeah. So I think there's a tendency to try to anticipate market downturns or to jump in and out of markets based on news. I think that our practice has done a really good job educating our clients as to why this is a terrible idea. And you just pointed out yourself. I mean, study after study is going to tell you that it's it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. The biggest problem isn't so much that we get out of the market, you know, when we think that there's going to be a downturn or when things are going south, is that we don't get back in. So not only have you cemented your losses by getting out when it's low, but then you don't get back in time to recover some of the gains. So that's typically what we see. Now, a couple of things come to mind, um, just events in history. So in 2016, I think it was, do you remember Brexit, Walter? Oh, yeah. It seemed, oh, yeah. There, there was a lot going on that year. <laughs> well, and then, so UK voted to leave the European Union. Right. And basically, that was uh, unexpected. So we had initially, I think it happened on a Friday, if I recall, but initially the markets just tanked and then they stayed lower for a couple days and immediately they went back up. So I was newer to our practice at that point. 
And I remember thinking, our phones are going to be ringing off the hook. And truth be told, we got a couple calls, but that was about it. And I think, you know, that's due to what a great job Dan had done over the years of educating our clients. So, you know, we just didn't get the calls. But, you know, again, going back to if you are have a knee-jerk reaction and you're selling because you think the end of the world is happening, when did you get back in at that point? The other thought is around the same year, we had a presidential election, <laughs> I recall. And if, um, you know, if you believed that President Trump was going to get elected, they, it was told that the market was going to decline dramatically. And again, if you followed suit with what you were hearing, then you probably lost some money. Truth be told, none of that happened. So it just goes back to, again, studies and studies, like you've mentioned, that market timing just doesn't work. Um, you might get lucky once in a while, but not every time. If you go way back in the Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast uh, history, uh, I think there are some episodes from 2016 where Dan was talking exactly about those issues in real time as they were happening and giving his perspective. It would probably be fascinating to go back and listen to some of those because I'm pretty sure he nailed <laughs> the analysis of those things <laughs> right, as right. they were going on and the right way to approach them and all those kinds of things. So we should resurface maybe some of that audio and, and, and maybe listen to it and react to it at some point. but. Time and time again, we've seen that market timing is virtually impossible. The, the problem, Nikki, is we get right one time and then we think, right. oh, I'm pretty good at this. I'll be able to do this again. And then we get, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> we get in big trouble the next time it happens. So, Truth uh, be told, you were just lucky. That that's one right. Time. You were lucky the first time and uh, watch out mm -hmm. the next time. Yep. All these are good lessons. If you have any questions about these, about your financial plan and retirement planning and all that's related, feel free to reach out to Nikki and the team at Money and Clarity. It's easy to do so. Set up a time to visit, ask your questions at 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Or check out moneyandclarity.com for more information about the podcast, to listen to past episodes, uh, information that Nikki and Dan and uh, the team offer you and can provide for you. All sorts of educational resources available to you. Again, moneyandclarity.com, your place to go for more information. And we'll put uh, contact info in the description or the show notes section of today's program. Nikki, thank you so much for the help. Continue enjoying your, uh, your maskless routines now. <laughs> yes. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's Nikki Early, Certified Financial Planner. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time here on Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been attained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Nikki Early is an investment advisor representative of Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a privacy policy statement, call 800-353-7920. 23.